0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're having a good day, and thank you for letting us be part of your day. Coming up on our program today, we're going to continue our look at market reaction to the August crop report. And, of course, now we have other economic uh, news that's kind of spilling into the grain markets as well. So it's just a a tough time all around uh, on economic news. But we'll be talking with Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone, Arlen Suderman, a little bit later on in the program. Get his thoughts on uh, the markets, where we're at, where we may be headed, the impact of that August crop report. And, of course, uh, some other items. China bought a little bit of pork, but uh, still the the overall tone of the trade between the U.S. and China is still not good. So we'll talk about all that with Arlen Suderman coming up on the program today. Also, Farm Progress Show just a few days away, August 27th, 28th, and 29th in Decatur, Illinois. We'll have another Farm Progress Show preview with show manager Matt Youngman. He'll join us a little bit later on to tell us about uh, the preparations now in the home stretch for this year's big farm show. And we're we'll going to talk about. Uh, The Ag Economy, we'll talk about uh, crop conditions, we'll talk about yield potential, we'll talk about the USDA crop report, we'll talk about RFS waivers, all that with University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin coming up here on the program today as well. But right now we're going to start things off with Phil Brasher from AgriPulse Communications. Phil, thanks for joining us. Kind of an interesting time, even with Congress on recess, there's still things going on. Staffs are working on some issues.
3: Uh, yes, they are. The biggest one being the uh, U.S. Uh, MCA, U.S. Mexico Canada Trade Agreement. Uh, Democrats are trying to nail down um, issues with the uh, uh, with the White House and uh, U.S. Trade uh, Trade Ambassador Bob Lighthizer in hopes of getting this um, on the floor this fall.
0: But we've already heard a prediction from one member of Congress that. There won't be a vote until November or December, not when they first come back. Uh, what are you hearing?
3: Yeah, that uh, certainly seems likely. Um, hearing, you know, September, October is kind of uh, the, the final date for uh, the White House to actually submit the implement, uh, implementation uh, legislation. That has, that's what uh, Congress actually takes up. Uh, The clock starts ticking, and they need to. Then they'll have to get that done. But that would, in fact, put a vote toward the uh, uh, November, December, toward the end of the year.
0: But that's also
3: the target to get this done uh, by the end of the year.
0: Right. Also going on, um, Chuck Grassley staff working to uh, kind of put something together that would give Congress the uh, the power to either approve or reject the president's ability to put on Section 232 tariffs. What do you know about that?
3: Well, that's uh, certainly, you know, that's that's tough. That's going to be a tough issue to get through. Um, and uh, that's because this is a very difficult issue for Democrats. Um, I think one of the most interesting things we're watching in the, uh, the presidential campaign is that Democrats are, you know, they're, they're urging uh and also in the Senate with uh, Chuck Schumer. They're urging uh, the president to be tough on China, but, you know, you know, be careful how you do it. Work more closely with allies. They really, you know, with their labor uh, base, they have to be in the fact that they're trying to target states like Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Pennsylvania, and so forth. They're going to be uh, um, a little reticent to support uh, something that's uh, seen as uh, weak on China. So this is this to be a tough issue. It's maybe as much of a signaling, um, putting a little pressure on the the White House as anything.
0: Mm -hmm. Also interesting, as so many people are out there running for president right now, they're attending state fairs and uh, farm shows, and some of the uh, Democratic candidates are starting to put out their ag policy proposals. Some of them... uh, uh, would take us down roads we've been down before. Others have some different ideas. Uh, what what has stood out to you about some of these proposals?
3: Yeah, very interesting. This uh, really ramped up last week because of the Iowa State Fair, uh, which, uh, which was used to time some long uh, trips to the state by uh, most of the candidates, actually, certainly most of the leading candidates. Spent a lot of time in Iowa, so they rolled out their plans. Yeah, we're... What's common across all of these plans is, one, they want to provide financial incentives to farmers to reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions, uh, store carbon in the soil, basically. That's something they're all doing, trying to uh, probably soften uh, some of the concerns about um, possibly raising uh, energy costs through uh, through climate legislation. The other thing you're seeing is wanting to be tough on uh, agribusiness mergers. Uh, that's another common theme. And the other one is uh, expanding broadband. Everybody wants to expand world broadband. You mentioned uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, very notably came out with a uh, plan to bring back the old concept of parity where you would mm-hmm. to raise loan rates to uh, essentially guarantee farmers their cost of production. And then uh, ramp up something like a conservation reserve program and a uh, uh, short-term set-aside where you would take, uh, obviously, land out of production and uh,
4: manage supply.
0: Yeah, when I started hearing words like set-aside, supply management, parity, that brought back (laughs) some memories.
4: It does. 20,
3: 30 years. (laughs) Yeah. 1933 all over again is a response I got from one Democratic policy analyst.
0: Also a proposal out there to repopulate rural areas with immigrants.
3: Yeah, that's uh, Pete Buttigieg, the mayor from uh, uh, South Bend, uh, Indiana. He came out, that was a big part of his uh, rural plan and uh, stood out. Uh, yeah, he wants to offer a special... Uh, a visa to immigrants who will commit to living uh, for for three years in a uh, and a uh, community that's been losing uh, population. Of course, it would be voluntary on the part of the communities to uh, be part of the program. But uh, yeah, that kind of kind of addresses the immigration issue plus uh, an attempt to build uh, as a, a way of rural development.
0: Was that? It's that season for lots of different proposals. Uh, the Democrats obviously trying to uh, find a crack in the uh, support for the President Trump in, in rural America.
3: You're right, and that's the big picture here. They would like to, if nothing else, they're not going to win rural areas. I think they know that, but um, they would certainly like to reduce some of the enthusiasm for President Trump, maybe cut into his support in rural areas because that's so critical to his base in states like Iowa, but uh, uh, probably in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania as well.
0: All right, Phil, thanks for the update. Good to talk with you. Take care. Yeah,
5: okay. Thanks.
0: Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. Well, lots going on with the RFS waivers and the crop report. We're going to talk it over with University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. Get his thoughts next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up.
1: Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18 wheelers and large buses have big blind spots and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. Bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle. Always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads are safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov.
6: Okay, I only have 15 seconds to tell you about Tavium Plus Vapor Grip Technology, the new Dicamba premix herbicide from Syngenta. It controls tough weeds and soybeans like palmer amaranth, water hemp, and grass weeds. Actually, we're going to go longer because Tavium lasts longer. So you get all the power of dicamba, plus up to three weeks longer residual control than dicamba alone. <sighs> now time's officially up for tough weeds. Talk to your local Syngenta retailer
0: to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Tavium Plus Paper Grip Technology is a restricted-use pesticide. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. So we had some good news into last week with the signing of the... Uh beef deal between the U.S. and the European Union. Joining us now to talk about it is Kent Backus, Senior Director of International Trade for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Kent, I remember talking with you several weeks ago when word of this uh, got out and you said uh, don't pop the champagne corks just yet because it wasn't a signed deal. I guess now those corks can be popped, right?
7: Well, I think we definitely put the bottles on ice. We are, uh, you know, we're pretty pretty excited about this announcement, but there's still one step that's left, and that's for the EU Parliament to, uh, to take this up, and we expect that sometime this fall. So uh, with the Europeans, I always have a you know, healthy dose of, uh, of skepticism there, but I think that it's going to send a, a very strong message to, uh, to some of our producers.
0: For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
2: Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. You're listening to
0: AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world.
2: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams.
0: And we're joined now by University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. Scott, I'd like to start off with some Good news, positive news in agriculture, but it's kind of hard to find right now.
4: It's been a brutal uh, couple weeks.
0: The crop report, uh, so much anticipation. I don't know what was higher, the anticipation level for what was going to be in that report or the frustration level with what came out in that report.
4: Uh, Well, I think that we can say now that uh, from the farmer's perspective, it was definitely the frustration with the dramatic bearish nature of the news for price.
0: Were you surprised that it, they came out that way?
4: Uh, yes, I was. Uh, I, I had a big miss on the planted acreage for corn. Uh, I thought that it would be around five, at least 5 million acres lower than it turned out to be at 90 million acres. So uh, I think it's going to be a... A long time for us absorbing uh, what happened in June this year with planting decisions of farmers, particularly in the eastern Corn Belt.
0: You know, we're all guilty of kind of judging the world by what we see out our back door, but still, it just left a lot of people looking around saying, where did they come up with these numbers?
4: Well, the... it was an extraordinary set of circumstances uh, with regard to the latest planting conditions, of the last sixty years in the, in particular, in the Eastern Corn Belt, combined with um, the prevent plant feature and the movement, relative movement of corn and soybean prices. You know, it was really an unprecedented situation, and everybody was, you know, guessing it how farmers would react, and the camp that argued that uh, farmers got a plant, corn, turned out to be right.
0: You know, in our last segment, we were talking about some of the ag policy proposals some of the Democratic candidates are, are putting out there right now, and I think it's Elizabeth Warren talking about parity and supply management, set-asides, and things like that, and I was thinking. Well, my first thought was, hey, we've been down those roads before, but my second thought was Mother Nature gave us a huge set aside this year when we look at the number of prevent plant acres, but still we have uh, market prices down, even with that number of acres out of production.
4: Uh, Absolutely. If there is any silver lining to the the very dark cloud hanging over the markets right now um, in corn and soybeans, it's that... The way things played out, um, essentially what happened was that uh, farmers basically kept their corn acres roughly flat compared to what they intended way back last March, and they did prevent, take Prevent Plant on a massive scale, Uh, over 11 million acres, but what they did is they made use of the flexibility that they have the way the Prevent plant provision works, and they essentially took those 11 million acres out of soybean uh, acres, which I like to think is the Prevent plant was essentially a massive set-aside or supply control program for soybeans, and... Uh, which means I thought it would take us years and years and years to work out of our billion-bushel carryout for soybeans. And we're going to, you know, it looks like, even at the USDA's yield projection, you know, make huge progress in one year. And if the yields turn out to be a bit lower than the USDA was forecasting, we're going to have essentially removed this massive surplus in soybeans all in one year.
0: So I guess that's a that's a could be a positive note long term uh, reduce that uh, that soybean supply that, that those stocks that have been so burdensome on the markets because we're still uh, we're still having a huge issue in trying to sell what we have.
4: Oh well, obviously, I mean, and then overarching all of this is the uh, stalemate that has developed politically with vis-a-vis our. Um, trade war with China. Um, You know, there are pronouncements about we're going to talk, we're not going to talk, whatever. But but it's clearly uh, a stalemate right now with both sides dug in politically um, with no real end in sight that I can see right now.
0: We're talking with University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin. Scott, we're starting to get now some of the uh, private uh, uh, the crop tours that are going on, a lot of folks going out in those fields taking. A look. So we're going to start getting all kinds of numbers. Uh, will those uh, impact the market? Will that move? Will those move the market much uh, one way or another between now and the September crop report?
4: Well, probably marginally. You know, the market, uh, you know, continues to prove over and over that it's an amazingly efficient information processing machine, and. You know, the market will assess these um, reports as they come in, and I think that the pro-farmer tour that often gets a lot of criticism will actually probably have a lot of value this year because they're going out actually into the field and making uh, counts, which the USDA dropped this year for the August report, Uh, kind of ironic under the circumstances
0: be all kinds of speculation on yield uh what are you seeing and what are you hearing i know you're based in uh, champaign urbana uh, here in illinois so uh, what are you seeing around you in the in right in the heart of uh, prime production area
4: well it's been uh, very dry here in champaign county um and though you can just drive around uh particularly in the late corn you can see lots of firing i suspect uh, you know, here in the immediate area, they're spending the those fields uh, some real pollination problems. Um, so I think what is the struggle in thinking of the U.S. average co- uh, corn and soybean yields this year is that our models and our history are, are pretty much based on uh, normal planting dates, and I really think that the way to think about the corn yield this year is to think that we essentially have two entirely different crops. We have a first crop that I think is reacting normally to the conditions that we've seen and we'll probably have you know, someplace around trend yields in those areas to maybe even above trend yields. But we've got a good 38 to, 48, 38 to 40 million acres of corn that were planted uh, essentially in June and I don't think that that stuff is going to behave as our normal assumptions would suggest. So that's why I still think that there's um, a lot of uncertainty, particularly with what are those yields really going to be and what I call that second crop June corn. Um, a lot of it does not look very good.
0: Yeah, it's a different year, it calls for a different type of thinking on, on some of those issues and how we project and look at what we may get yield-wise. Also, Scott, we had the, another whammy uh, hit uh, with uh, the announcement of 31 more RFS waivers. Uh, certainly doesn't help the biofuels industry.
4: No. I mean, uh, we had that on Friday. <laughs> we get Monday's uh, monster USDA crop report that's so bearish. Yeah. So, um, no, uh, that was a major uh, defeat on the RFS side. It just means more of the same in terms of biofuels demand destruction on a on a large scale, uh, and it will just make it harder to claw those gallons back um, through the legal process. It doesn't look right now like there's going to be any relief. Politically, which really did surprise me, Mike, because I'm still kind of scratching my head why the president would launch a review of the SRE program, raising expectations in agriculture, and then go right back to the same old policy. That that really did take me by surprise. Uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if this administration, you know, ignored the complaints coming out of ag and biofuels and did nothing. But I don't understand why you would. Launch a review, get everybody's hopes up, and then crush
0: them. That's it. He got every, he got people's hopes up that there would be a change, and then there wasn't, and that that made it even worse. All right, Scott. Uh, hopefully, we'll have better news to talk about next time. Okay. All
4: right. Look forward to it, Mike, as
0: always. Thank, Thank you very much. Thanks, Scott. University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. Well, we'll continue on that theme and uh, talk more about the markets and some of these issues. Coming up next with Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone. As I mentioned, uh, a little bit of pork. Did uh, We did have a pork sale to China, but uh, overall that still remains a tough situation with, there, with China. And, of course, we're still talking about that. August Crop Report. Anxious to hear what Arlen Suterman has to say about it. That's coming up next, right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Stay with us. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up.
8: Stress less in a minute from the American Ag Network. We are talking with Monica McConkey with Prairie St. John's and Eyes on the Horizon Consulting. This week we get a tip on how to manage stress.
4: Our thoughts influence our feelings, and our feelings influence our behavior. So if in our thoughts we're focusing on stress and stressful things and we can't do this and this isn't going to work and the farm isn't going to make it and I'm never going to figure this out or what have you, then those thoughts produce feelings which are going to be things like frustration, feeling overwhelmed or angry or, or even sadness. So we really need to start with our thoughts. It takes a concerted effort to really shift those thoughts to positive things, make a plan,
8: and don't lock yourself inside of your mind. That's Monica McConkey. This is Stress Less in a Minute from the American Ag Network.
1: Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. A mixed picture in the grain and oil seed sector early on this Thursday. The route in corn futures looks like it may have run its course. Traders saying that managed money funds are likely finished with going short on corn, at least for now. Chinese buyers canceled the purchase of 422,700 metric tons of 2018-2019 soybeans from the U.S. According to USDA's Thursday Export Sales Report, China renewed its vow to retaliate against planned U.S. tariffs slated to take effect in the coming weeks. That word from the State Council's Customs Tariffs Commission U.S. stocks falling after that statement, but some of the losses being reversed after a separate remark by China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs expressing hopes that the two countries can reach an acceptable deal. Egypt receiving 15 offers in wheat tender on Thursday. The cheapest offer was for 60,000 tons of Ukrainian wheat, Chicago wheat at the Board of Trade, September down two and three quarters at 471 Kansas City wheat September up three and a half at 3.88 and a quarter. Minneapolis spring wheat September down a half cent bid at 5.05. Corn an hour into the day two to three and a fraction higher. December up two and a half at 3.72 and three quarters. Soybeans November up three and a quarter at 8.81 and a quarter. Livestock at the Merck in feeder cattle the August contract is up two dollars five cents 1.3652. October live cattle up 95 at 99.45. Lean hog futures October up a dime, 66.87. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow is up 58. September crude oil in New York down 40 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network.
0: Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
0: And joining us now, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone, Arlen Suderman. All right, Arlen, I have to ask you. What would you think when you saw those numbers in the USDA crop report?
7: Well, that certainly was a surprise to all of us to see the acreage numbers. And I should say, first of all, on the yield side, I wasn't going to really be surprised by anything, as, as I put out on Twitter before the report came out. I don't know where the numbers are going to be on the yield, whether they'll be high or low, but my confidence is going to be low on that anyway because of the A methodology used and the methodology will change in September this crop is so immature uh, so how does anybody really know I think there's a lot of problems but don't put much confidence in yield just don't get too shook up or too invested in it but acreage I think had everyone uh, surprised it basically said with all the weather problems we had this spring uh, the corn planting problems were non-event Um, from a corn standpoint, and uh, we found a way in all of that mess to plant 90 million acres. And on the soybeans, i had been telling people all winter, you know, if we're going to fix this balance sheet, we've got to lose 10 or 12 million acres, and lo and behold, USDA said we lost 12 million without having to increase corn acres. So uh, interesting dynamics coming out of that report.
0: Yeah, I've been calling it Mother Nature's set-aside program. (laughs)
7: That's probably a good way of putting it. Uh, You know, if the numbers are right, and that will be debated for a long time, but they are the numbers the markets going to trade, and it's not going to do any good to argue with the acreage numbers. Uh, You know, we essentially have done what we needed to do to the soybean balance sheet with some more weather risk on the yield side for soybeans uh, without having to take corn acres to $100 And so that's a net positive overall, and these very well may be the highest production numbers that we see, especially for corn, but also for soybeans possibly, that we see for this crop here.
0: So a report that is so bearish now, could it be bullish longer term then?
7: Well, and I want to be cautious about making too many comparisons in 1993. There are a lot of similarities and there are some key differences. Um, But 1993 also had the very wet conditions, and we warned earlier in the year, it's very difficult to know what the impacts of that are until you get into harvest. And in 1993, the crop ratings for the corn crop were very similar to where we are this year at this time of year, just a little bit below it. They failed to uh, really reflect uh... what was happening in the field the crop tours failed to see that as well and we didn't know how small a crop it was until october it was a very delayed harvest the maturity of the 93 crop was almost identical to this year's so a lot of similarities there Um, and it took until October. We had a little bit of a frost scare in September that gave us a rally and then prices went back down. The October crop report really is what ignited the market. And we had bigger carryover of old crop stocks as a percent of usage that year, a much bigger carryover than we do this year. So some interesting comparisons there.
0: Yeah, so the story is yet to really be told, but The frustration is the markets, meanwhile, trade off of uh, uh, this August crop report right now.
7: They really do, and it will continue to do so. Uh, We've essentially taken the market back to levels before the weather scare. Um, back in May so essentially the market has totally written out any risk factor from what happened this year from a weather standpoint no risk premium there's no frost premium in there either at this point so it's at a very vulnerable position if I'm an end user yeah USDA may be right and we may have adequate supplies but what's your downside risk versus your upside risk uh, I as an end user I'd be concerned about my upside risk at these price levels And uh, on soybeans, I think next week's Pro Farmer Midwest Crop Tour, the big story, I think we'll get a lot of mixed messages on corn, but I think the thing that will really be highlighted next week is how small the soybeans are and how low the pod count is, and I I think that will make soybeans a little bit more of a story next week and kind of give a lift to the whole complex.
0: Could this be a year where we see the highest prices at harvest time?
7: At harvest time or after, um, you realize that as of August 11th, which is Sunday, the last day that the Crop Progress Report is, 35 million acres of soybeans had not yet started setting pods. Nine million acres of corn had not yet pollinated. And a lot of that corn and soybeans were in northern areas that are more vulnerable to a frost. But even if we don't get that frost, we start running out of heat units to really dry that crop down. Speaking specifically of corn here, um, so that's a that's a real risk the markets really aren't considering at this point.
0: We're talking with Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone. All right, on the on the uh, actual sales side of things, we did sell a little bit of pork to China, right?
7: So we did, um, and that was encouraging data coming out this morning. Uh, as of uh, I guess is August eighth, so it's a week delayed. It showed what a little, a little over ten million metric tons, I believe it is. Trying to remember the number, uh, and we had some good export shipments again, although down from previous weeks. There were still solid shipments there as well. But it's good to see them back in buying again.
0: But uh, we're not we're not seeing much else sold to them, right?
7: Yeah, and I think I said million metric tons is 1,000 metric tons. Uh, We're not selling really anything else. They canceled a bunch of soybeans for old crop, but unknown destinations bought a bunch of new crop soybeans. So is that simply a roll to the new year, but masking who it was so that it wouldn't give encouragement to the markets and keep the pressure on the Trump administration? I don't know. But uh, private buyers for sure are scared to do business with us. Even though they want to, they're afraid to do so because of threats from government officials. And uh, state buyers certainly do not have the green light to buy right now either.
0: How do the overall economic uh, concerns that we're seeing, saw big time yesterday in the stock market, how do those impact the commodity markets?
7: Uh, First of all, it it raises a risk factor. Um, Basically, we were down because of recession fears. And so the fund managers say, well, if we're going to be in a recession, then that means there'll be less demand for commodities. So therefore, just automatically sell the commodities. And that has been going on for some time now And it kind of piles on the commodity sector, and just raises the overall fear and uncertainty level. And commodities are considered one of the more are are a riskier asset class to own in a time of fear, unless a commodity particularly has a bullish story, and none of them really do right now. And USDA kind of prevented that on Monday, so it is a negative factor.
0: All right, so let's uh, let's kind of look ahead now. This is going to be a, a late harvest. It's going to be a long drawn out harvest. uh, can we build a case where we're going to see uh, prices kind of build as we go through this? Because there will probably be weather scares and things like that in there. Do you see us get moving up in price as we go through uh, this harvest?
7: Well, in this current environment, there, I can't eliminate the downside price risk. So producers who can't, you know, can cannot support the, any more downside price risk need to be cognizant that that downside risk isn't going to be going away. Having said that, the markets have pretty well priced in best-case scenarios for these crops, that we're going to have adequate crops to meet the demand. And so the, the margin overall is not that great. If you look at world stocks of corn, for example, minus China and minus United States, see where the rest of the world sits, those supplies are pretty snug. Even with the big crop in South America, there's not much margin for error. So if we find out that this year's corn crop is significantly smaller because of much lower yield um, than what's anticipated by USDA, um, the market would have to respond to that, or you would certainly think that it would. Uh, it's an interesting note at Twitter, so it must be true, right, a uh, non-scientific Twitter poll that we did right ahead of the report, I asked what are your feelings about your crops versus 30 days ago for corn and for soybeans? For both corn and soybeans, uh, farmers were much more concerned about yield now than they were 30 days ago. So I don't think that changed, whereas the USDA went up, farmers' perceptions were going down. Uh, so the market's really not pricing that risk in. And as you indicated, the frost risk is certainly there as well.
0: And then we're starting to hear more reports, see more uh, reports of you know disease issues, insect issues. I mean, those are challenges we deal with all the time. But if you add that to what else has happened this year, uh, that adds on to that risk.
7: Yeah, and I've, as you know, I've been a real bear on the soybean market because of uh, demand problems in China. Uh, and I continue to be. But the risk of holding on to that is growing right now. With the loss of 12 million acres of soybeans, Um, With these small plants out there, we could significantly tighten this balance sheet and uh, see some need for some rationing on the soybean side as well. And that's something I didn't think I'd be saying a few weeks ago.
0: So these uh, private tours that are going on now are starting up. uh, Will they move the market? Will the markets really focus on those?
7: Uh, the markets will focus on it. I still don't put much uh, confidence in any yield estimates that come out of the tours. I think it's still too early for that. Uh, and a lot of it depends on how deep you go into the fields as well. But I do pay a lot of attention. I think traders pay a lot of attention to the comments and the remarks that are made about the state of the crops as they walk into them. And uh, I, I do think the soybeans, everyone has had their eyes on corn so much. I do think it will focus attention more on soybeans next week, uh, where there are some legitimate concerns about the crop.
0: All right, Arlen, thanks a lot. A uh, lot of story to be written yet on this year, that's for sure. So we'll we'll stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Well, we're in the home stretch for preparations for this year's Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois. We'll get a preview and an update from show manager Matt Youngman next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up.
8: My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction. Plus, the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early, like they did with my mom. Donate today, 800-745-3327. 800-745-3327.
9: Ragweed, you're getting big enough to choke a combine. Bring on that combine, Mayor's tail There won't be any corn for it to harvest. <laughs>
2: if weeds are laughing at your herbicide, try Acuron. It silences the toughest weeds you'll come up against.
9: Hey, my roots just hit the water table. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. Water hemp, you're so full of fertilizer. Get the
2: last laugh. Talk to your Syngenta reseller about Acuron.
9: Hey, Ragweed, you feeling kind of wilty? Always
2: read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide.
0: Recently on Adams on Agriculture, well, the Animal Rights National Conference was held last month in Alexandria, Virginia. Some of the things said there kind of gives us a look at uh, what is the agenda? What's the playbook for these animal activist groups moving forward? Here to tell us about it is Hannah Thompson-Wieman, Vice President of Communications for the Animal Ag Alliance. This event really does kind of tip their hand, doesn't it? It gives us a look into their playbook, what their agenda is for the future.
3: Well, a big part of what the Animal Ag Alliance does is monitoring animal rights activism because it is essential for all of us in animal agriculture to understand what these groups are doing, what strategies and tactics they're going to use against us now and into the future. And that's why we release a report from a couple
8: different national animal rights conferences throughout the year, one of the major ones being the National Animal Rights Conference that was just held here in the D.C. area a few weeks ago.
0: For the information important to rural America, join us on Adam's on agriculture
9: over the years you've brought them into your home you were prescribed opioids after the c-section and after dad's back injury they helped when you were in pain and you held on to them just in case but did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines such as pills patches and syrups you can remove the risk and protect your family Find out how at www.fda.gov drugdisposal drug disposal. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today.
0: You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world.
2: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. We're now less
0: than two weeks away from the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois, August 27th, 28th, and 29th. This Farm Progress Show preview brought to you by Tavium Plus Vapor Grip Technology herbicide from Syngenta. Always read and follow label instructions. Tavium Plus Vapor Grip Technology is a restricted-use pesticide show director Matt youngman joins us now Matt I've got to believe uh, things are really uh, busy around the show site uh, now as we're under two weeks to go
6: yeah everybody on our team you would say is fully employed we are all running like crazy um, you know fortunate to have 600 exhibitors at, at the show but it's sometimes all 600 of them have a question at the same time so the 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 two way radios, the phone lines, the text messages, the every way to communicate with us is 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 coming at us. So it's uh it's a busy time, but but there's certainly a lot of excitement in the air, and, and things are things are coming coming together really really well.
0: Tents are going up.
6: Tents are. We have a lot of tents in the air. The the I would say that actually we're on the downhill slide of putting tents up. There there's a there's a lot of that 90 acre exhibit field that's already covered by tents. The landscaping is happening. The are are working at full speed uh the loading dock is is starting to fill up you know we're kind of we're we're now at the point where uh there's a steady stream of equipment coming in and the loading dock is is real steady the forklift operators are are just ramping up right now and so you're, you're you're transitioning from from getting the infrastructure and tents and things like that in place to now you're starting to see equipment getting assembled out in the
0: For those that'll be coming to the show August twenty seventh, twenty eighth, and 29th, and perhaps they have been to Decatur to the site before, anything different this time for them coming in?
6: Well, there's you know there's there's always new new things uh, you know in terms of of new products. It's, it's the year of the tractor. Um, I actually was I was on site yesterday, uh, saw a couple of those new tractors that, that that folks haven't seen in person yet, and it's kind of cool to see scent colors and and it's cool to see the the Lexion Combine being lime green, you know, they're going back to their cloth colors with with the Lexion Combine. Uh, the AFS Connect Tractor from, from Case IH, the, the new Kubota, the new Versatile. all those things are, are just rolling in, and, and I'm getting a little bit of a sneak peek uh, watching them come in on trailers.
0: Now, what about as far as uh, how do things look for your parking areas, your camper areas, things like that?
6: All of, that is, all of that is in good shape. Um, it's, a, it's a new seating on the big west parking lot, and that's, that's in good shape. The host farmer got half of that laid down uh, Tuesday, and then we'll, he'll lay the other half of that down here as soon as this rain comes through, after this rain comes through Friday. Um, but everything in the parking lot is in good shape. The, the camper lot, you know, we typically fill up about 20 acres of that west parking lot with campers. That's in great shape. The, the corn on the overflow parking lot. Uh, it tested 32% yesterday, so it's coming along real well, and it'll be in good shape to start pulling that off uh, next week, end of next week, we anticipate to start rolling and tuning up combines.
0: So, weather permitting, you should be able to have your field demonstrations, which we think back to May, we wondered if that was going to be the case, but you look good to go there, you're just going to be harvesting some high-moisture corn.
6: Yeah, we, we actually had a meeting with the host farmers and the agronomists and the, the folks that, that, that actually run the demos yesterday. And, and we, uh, you know, it, it, it's been a lot of hard decisions on, on exactly how to do this thing all the way through the crop year. None of this has been easy. And, and we're, we're, we're doing an application of a defoliant on some of the corn. We've kind of spread our risk a little bit, spread our opportunities a little bit by having... Some 77 day corn, some some 85 day corn that we're going to let dry down naturally, and then some 85 day corn that we're defoliating so that uh, so that we have as many good options as we can. But uh, you know, if if it's going to be nice and hot this weekend, and then and then it's going to and then it's going to cool off a little bit. So if we had 90 degree temperatures between now and showtime, we would have no problems at all. But with the cool forecast, we, we decided to do some defoliant so that we're sure that things are drowning down like we need them to.
0: But you're looking at probably harvesting some 30% moisture corn, right?
6: I, I would I would guess that there will be some combine manufacturers cursing me because they're having to set up their combines for 30% corn. But we sure, uh, you know, it's still worth it to put on the event. And, and you know, uh, not everybody gets to harvest 18% corn at 240 bushel per acre on every acre of their farm especially this year so some some challenging a challenging situation doesn't hurt my feelings to make them go out there and and compete in a in a little bit of a challenging environment
0: you're just happy to weather permitting during those three days you're going to be able to get out there and actually have those field demos right when
6: you and i did this did this show in i think we were about may i don't know 14 somewhere in there right there before we got that break to plant if you told me we were doing anything with the word harvest in it i would have taken it no matter how it came i would have taken it because it was it was a tough spring and you saw you saw the stress in everybody's eyes uh on on that particular interview and 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 we're just we're just thrilled that we're going to get to do it and, and, and look forward to having everybody come because uh You know, I think it's fair to say that most of the Midwest will not be picking corn on on August 27th, 28th, and 29th, so they can sure come to the show.
0: Go to your website, get ticket information?
6: Yes, absolutely. Get ticket information. uh, Text FPS19 to 20505. Keep in mind that the wristband you get when you walk in the door is worth $100 off the tires. If you go to the Titan exhibit and and cash it in for a, a certificate, just lots and lots of things on that website. Just got the show program loaded in there. So so 140 pages of information about the Farm Progress Show is right there on
0: the website. It'll be here soon, August 27th, 28th, and 29th, the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois. And show director Matt Youngman's been our guest. All right, Matt, thanks a lot. Talk to you again next week.
6: Thank you very much, sir.
0: All right, Matt Youngman previewing this year's Farm Progress Show and our preview brought to you by Tavium Plus Vapor Grip Technology herbicide from Syngenta. Always read and follow label instructions. Tavium Plus Vapor Grip Technology is a restricted-use pesticide. I'll be broadcasting from the Farm Progress Show August 27th, 28th, and 29th in Decatur. We'll be telling you more about that as we get closer. and hope to see a lot of you at that big farm show. All right, that wraps it up for today. Thanks for being with us. Have a great day. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. she was very concerned
4: it was very unsettling for her it's important for you to talk
8: to someone about it to bring the family in on it i felt so much better after my son told me mom i don't want you to worry or be afraid i'll be there for
5: you and we'll figure it out when something feels different it could be alzheimer's now is the time to talk visit alz.org our stories to learn more A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk.
1: 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack.
6: 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over.
1: This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel
5: its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it, or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you.
0: Go to loweryourhbp.org.
5: A head to toe. Everything's changed at the time. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.